Welcome to part three of our multi-part episode of Shamari Jones's visit to Dr. Paul Sutton's class at Pacific Lutheran University. Please forgive the variation in volume as parts have been edited for sound quality. Please enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Katherine Kennedy, founder and executive director of Wellness for Educators. We are so excited to serve as the sister podcast of Coffee with a Little Bit of Cream. We're grateful for the opportunity to cross-post and amplify Shamari Jones and Paul Sutton and their mission as they examine issues that impact education and the education system and ways that issues of race, power, and privilege impact students, educators, schools, districts, and the larger educational system. Here's the next episode for your listening pleasure. Just in case you weren't intimidated enough, let's give you a mic. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll start singing for you instead. Um, I'm really curious to know more about your journey, Shomari, and given your background, what led you to this role? And then something that I'm trying to understand with all the projects we've done in this class and um, my personal history, I'm from Florida and I have gone to a school where I'm the minority majority, um, if that makes sense. But my teachers looked like me. And now um, in my student teaching experience, I have a really diverse class, mostly BIPOC. And right now, um, I'm really in fear of the double agents. So we have these trainings that I've attended, and I hear the rumblings, and I hear the back talk when we talk about equity, we talk about traumas. We're doing a month-long um, thing every few, or a, every few weeks. We're going to this thing about trauma and being informed, and it's really similar to what we've learned here. Um, but then I've already feel like I'm not doing the work because of what another teacher said. And the teacher is white. And they just look at me and say that, how could they change the definition of racism? And I talked to a couple people about it because I thought that I had the training, I had the philosophies, but I really don't know where to go with it. And I just took... I instantly felt I can't change his mind. He doesn't even want to hear any information. He has his own information that is skewed. So just in your line of work, do you come across double agents like that where they'll just show up a certain way, but you know they have those feelings in the back that you can't change for them? Paul's laughing at me right now because he knows the answer to this question. <laughs> All right, so um, 90% of the people... Okay, let me start a little bit back. Uh, in about a four-year time frame, I spent maybe $6.5 million on professional development uh, within my organization, facilitated by a very well-known education organization that teaches racial equity and inclusion type of work, Pacific Educational Group. It's the guy who founded the idea of Courageous Conversations, right? Glenn Singleton. 
And in that time, you could just see it happen. You could see it manifest. Like in a classroom space like this, although we typically had more people than this, every one of the sessions was about 100, 120 people who were in the audience. And you can just see it like laptops up, really just answer an email, right? Or engagement, 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 but never any intent to actually doing this work back at home. I love the term double agent. Like a lot of people are voluntold to be at these spaces and there's eyes on them. So because there's eyes on you, like there's going to be uh, some semblance of um, showing up because I have to, right? Someone wants me to. Uh, it makes me look good like I'm doing the thing, but I don't really feel it. Like it's not a thing that I actually believe in. And this is what I told a, a friend and colleague last night. I was on the phone. I was actually just talking about this young lady. I have a friend who is the principal at Indiana University High School. And um, like we have these discourse conversations all the time. And I was just, I was saying that like it is so important for you to know that it doesn't matter what the level of training is. It doesn't matter like how deeply engaged I am in conversation with you. I can't change you. I just can't. You have to change yourself. You have to go through the process and go through the motions. You have to have will. You have to have one interest and desire in order to make the changes that are important. We don't have all those people working in education. I'll be the first person to tell you to get the hell out of the way. Leave the profession if you can't do the things that are important for you to do in service of young people's growth and feeling like they belong and their feeling of safety and security by way of your leadership as a person who stands in front of them in the classroom, right? Like you can also can't, you can't listen to what someone else's rhetoric is because they got their own issues. Someone asked me one time, like, what do I do when I run into somebody who I can't change? Deuces, bro. I don't have time for you. I'm putting all my interest into the people who I know are going to journey with me along this pathway. I'm going to leave your ass behind. I ain't got time for you. The system will support all the bad teachers. They're bad in this classroom space. It's all good. We're just going to shift into a different classroom space. They're not working out well for this building. No worries. You know, we're going to kick you over to this other building with this other leader. Maybe you can work well then. I've had many people who have said, not to me, because I'd go off on them, um, but who have said, I don't do so well in this title space. I'm out. And it's like, okay, well, thank you. Like, we're going to put you over here in this non-title space, right, where you can, you know, flourish and shine a little bit better. Like, it's just, it's a tough profession to be in, um, especially when it seems as though, number one, like, teachers are vastly overworked. I will agree. And we have not enough teachers in space. And so because we have not enough, I feel that sometimes in some spaces, we'll just take, we'll take you. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take you. It doesn't matter what your beliefs and your thinkings are. Like, we'll take you, right? Like, we're going to take some people without vetting whether or not they're going to be good for kids, right? And so who are you? I can't even see your full name. What is it? Casey. Who are you, Casey? Who are you going to be for the people that you're seeking to serve? How are you going to show up? When you take that class or that course and you learn these structured ways of doing things differently, how are you going to do that? Who are you consulting? Who's your team? How's your team helping you to co-construct what you're going to do? Maybe your team is some of the people in the classroom that you seek to serve better. Maybe it's those families. 
right, that you're going to seek to serve better, that are going to help you implement these new strategies and these new ideas that you have just learned, but you don't yet know how to do. Education does not provide the space for you to have innovation, but you have to take it. You have to take the innovation. You have to run and lead with the innovation. You got to, like, you know, kick them suckers out the way who are in your way and telling you you ain't doing this thing because it's important for you to do the thing. And really quickly, very, very short journey of mine. I went to college. For, I, I watched a lot of Top Gun when I was a kid. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. So I went to Tuskegee so I could be a fighter pilot. I took aerospace engineering. <laughs> that didn't pan out for me. I ended up getting married. And my uh, now ex-wife was in the Navy. So we moved around a bunch. I landed here in Washington. Um, I met a guy my second day here who also went to Tuskegee. He was like, yo, bro, I got a job for you. Is that the University of Washington? This was like magic. I don't know how this happened. Um, and then like, it pitted me in this sort of experience of working with young people and uh, in a way where I was designing programming at the UW for a six-week residential program in the summer. And I felt like I found my calling. I remember anyone know Tyson Beckford? He's an old model you know, for Polo, for Ralph Lauren, like he's this beautiful black dude, right? And so his, his story was, I was walking through Central Park and I got discovered, right? I wasn't there, I, wasn't, I didn't go to no modeling thing, you know, I didn't like show up for a casting, like someone just popped up and came up to me and was like, yo, I want you to be the Ralph Lauren model. I feel like I got discovered in this realm of education, right? Like I didn't intend on being here. Uh, I found my pathway in service of young people through my experience at the University of Washington. And once I did that, that was only a year or as a year program. Once I did that and had that experience, I knew that I could never go back. Right? I knew what my purpose was. I know at my core that I'm here as an agent of service to others. Like I can't, I can't work in the aerospace engineering field behind a computer designing air, it just, just, it won't work for me, right? Like, I need to be out in front, extending an arm to people who need me to extend the arm. The people who need me the most are the people who look like me. So, wherever those people are, that's where I'm showing up. Now, if there's collateral around me where other people get to grow and experience, you know, something that will help to catapult us all towards the finish line, dope. But I know who I'm here for. Right? And I know what I'm here to do, and I'm going to continue to do it despite where it is I am. If I don't work in education any longer, cool. There's, I'm going to be volunteering in education. You know, like, I know what I'm here to do on the earth, and I need you to know that too. Hi, Shamari. Uh, I have a question kind of similar to what um, you were just talking about. Uh, in terms of letting the people who uh, say some BS are um, are saying, there was a there was a part in the podcast that I was listening to on my way here, um, where Ed Taylor um, talks about the support system of teachers that um, gathered around him as uh, part of his education, uh, and building that structure of support around him in getting him to where uh, he could be. I think about that in terms of uh, an experience I had in high school. Uh, I went to Lincoln High School as a student, and um, uh, there was um, a group of teachers that rallied around me during a really hard time in my life during that period. 
um, that made it so that I could get through my senior year of high school and make it to college. Um, thinking also about your experience growing up in a homogenous community of, uh, like a black community with black teachers and like black peers, um, something that I'm struggling with in terms of like my student teaching experience is with integrated schooling comes the imposition of like white culture on students of color. Um, and uh, I can only sp I can only speak for myself here, but as a as a BIPOC educator, as a queer and trans educator, um, as one of the only folks of my background in my building, um, I sometimes feel like I'm the only person uh, trying to build those support structures for for BIPOC students, um, and. I'm not really sure where to get support from. Um, I don't know if other folks in the room can resonate with that. Um, but I think, I guess when it feels like the, like there's only like one or two people in the, in the school building who are doing the work of reaching out to community, checking in with students daily, um, being like a warm demander presence in the classroom and in the school building. Um, what, I guess, um, where, like where should folks, especially like BIPOC educators, look for, for support in um, kind of dealing with these tensions that we face in, um, in schools? It's, so this is a really, Intricate, intricate, complex question because um, we always have to fend for ourselves and we have to build community within the small group that we typically are in this region. In this region, we're typically a small community, maybe not as much at Lincoln High School, um, <clears throat> but if you think across the state as a whole, there's usually few folks of color um, there is always, across the country, few educators of color. Um, and even if you have others of color, they're not all on the same page, right? They're not always on the same wavelength. I've been a director of equity as one of the roles I play in this district for eight years. Um, I have been the only person in the district office who has identified as black until this year. We have two more now. and. The thing that I've had to do, especially because I know what my calling is, right? I know what my mission is. I know how much ass I want to kick today. Um, I have to find pathways similar to my earlier statement about building relationships. Some of those relationships don't exist already. Some of those relationships have to be with white people. As a matter of fact, at some point in time, we've got to uh, transition the responsibility off of our backs and our shoulders on to white people, because it's really white people who have gotten us here. It's going to take white people to get us out. And so how are you building allegiances and alliances with like-minded folks from different backgrounds and different demographics if you have to, for a little while, be the spearheader of 
like, here's the thing we need to do. You know, how do we have a common small book club? How do we have a common 30-minute discussion every month, you know, to talk about things? How do we get on the agenda for the all-school, all-staff meeting that happens once a month, I'm assuming? You know, how do we position ourselves in ways where we can start normalizing the conversation and we can start building and empowering others to join the team? You know what I mean? Hand out applications. Like, I got applications to join the team today. You know, here's what the team is about. Here's what we're going to be doing. We really need you to be there. The real power, the biggest thing that I've learned in all of education, of all the time I've worked in it, the real power comes from the students. Like, I, I mean, like, you can show up all day, like, with your fist pumped in the air. Like, my shirt underneath this shirt says I'm black every month. It was my Black History Month shirt. Like, and I'm rocking it as many days as I can during February and after. Right? I am going hard on being the person that hopefully folks are looking at, like, okay, we need to follow this cat. But the moment I mention I got a small group of kids who want to talk to you guys about a thing, everybody comes. They're all showing up. Right? So what I've learned also is that the galvanization of young people in a way that A, makes them understand that they belong, B, provides and opens up space for them to be heard, and C, promotes them to break through that ceiling that you are absolutely going to have. You named all the isms. You're going to have a ceiling, man. I'm going to tell you right now. Right? They don't. I also have a parent group that kicks Ass. I mean, like, they are public records requesting everything. Like, they want to know some stuff. They don't even ask anymore. They just send out a public records request to let it be known that we are here, and we want to know some stuff, and we're going to find out, right? How do you empower others in light of maybe your inability to feel the strength enough to move the needle? Let's bring on the people who don't have that wall, don't have that ceiling, you know, young people and their families will absolutely make a clearing for you to succeed in ways that you may not be able to on your own. Ditto. Yeah. This was part three of our multi-part episode. Please visit us next week as we continue with the last part of this episode at the Coffee with a Little Bit of Green podcast. <laughs>